to another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. Today is March 12th, and uh, it's Tuesday, as always, and uh, we're on Luke 22 today. Uh, I'm joined by uh, Daniel Yelverton and Michael Miller, and uh, we're going to get into another chapter today. Uh, we just had, I don't know, <laughs> 35, 40 minutes of conversation between Michael and Daniel about Yet again, who the greatest basketball player of all time is, <laughs> LeBron James or Michael Jordan. Um, we were I was rearranging the studio, getting some new stuff set up, and uh, I got to hear some lively conversations. So we're coming off of a, a heated basketball debate. It's true. It, Michael fought valiantly. He did. He did. <laughs> I just I just use logic, and I'm not sure what Daniel was using. I think he was using Pro tools. A, I think he was <laughs> using emotion. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, that was a recording joke. Oh gosh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, what you guys been up to this week? Yeah. Contemplating the greatest of all time. No, that's <laughs> about it. No. All week? <laughs> yeah, all Ready? week. You've been yes. battling, like putting on your armor for this conversation? No, yeah. It, w- it wasn't a lot. It really didn't take me long lots to figure of, it lots out. Lots of YouTube videos you know, <laughs> to figure this out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Not this week. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's true. That's true. Yep. I've been, uh, we, we uh, for those of you that don't know, we've been doing a fast this past week. Uh, and one of the things that I've been fasting from is uh, YouTube. And that's been... Uh, it's been fun. It's been a and challenge. That's why I'm winning this so that, argument. That shoots down your argument. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. So that's uh so that's kind of um, that's one of the things that I've been I've been fasting from and and that's been great. I mean it's I think we conventionally think of fasting as just a um, kind of food or things like that and uh, I think that we don't have the same. Um, needs i think that as jesus audience did where they were really concerned about when their next meal was going to come in i think we do have some of that in our society but not as much and so uh, for me it was really great because i use kind of entertainment as a sanctuary as a place to kind of go and retreat and to kind of give all that up and kind of then give that to the lord uh, and give that time to the lord has been really beneficial for me yeah in in february i uh, i fasted from facebook because I am an, an addicted overuser of Facebook, and periodically I have to do that, I have to unplug. And I'll tell you what: when, when you pause and you spend more time in the U version or the Bible app, mm-hmm. and, you know, than you do Facebook, good things happen. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. And, and and I think fasting from different social media things is good because we spend a lot of time on it, mm-hmm. and when you take breaks from it, it helps you reevaluate your use, and you and you also spend more time with God. Because you replace naturally, you replace that time mm-hmm. that you spent on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. You know, you, hopefully, if you're fasting, you intentionally spend more time with God. So it's it's a really good thing. But uh, it's March, <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> so I'm done with that fast. <laughs> Back to it, huh? Yeah. No, but the good thing, Brent, is I've I've reevaluated my use. You know, I I'm trying to be more ministry focused, and probably less posts about LeBron James. <laughs> I can understand the especially while he's can, not making the playoffs right I know, now. I can understand the disappointment of this post. <laughs> <laughs> the disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, yeah. I. I think. Hey, you're, Daniel, who, who who's who scored more career points? By the way, I'm just wondering. Oh, I know. <laughs> LeBron has. Well, well done, LeBron. Go, go, you man. Well done for doing that. Go and, you. And, and just not doing well in everything else in basketball. Yeah, like scoring. He did, yeah, he doesn't anyway. like get assists or rebounds more than Michael either. Yeah, you're right. Oh gosh. Oh All right. man, we're going into this again. Brent, you got to get us under control, man. <laughs> I'm just watching what it are develop. You doing? Uh, so, but I think you make a great point, Michael. Is that um, we have a lot of competing things for our attention, and I think when we're able to quiet some of those voices. Uh, it does help. It helps me hear clear from the Lord. Uh, it really enhances a lot of the relationships around me. I've, I've seen that even just with my wife, Lainey, and my kids this week. Um, and, and so that, that to me is very encouraging and refreshing uh, yeah. because I think that we can get very consumed with some things that um, kind of pull us away from the things that really matter, you know, and then kind of end up in this place like, wow, how did we actually get here? Yeah. And And so... Uh, yeah, which will actually probably be an interesting segue when we get into this chapter about just yeah. kind of two two of Jesus' disciples that uh, we kind of get to walk along and see the story of them uh, having a, a preconceived notion or having you know wanting things to go a, a particular direction and realizing that it's not the right way. Yeah, yeah. Before we listen to this, Brent, um, I want to challenge our readers to to notice a couple characters. We were talking about this a bit ago, as as like Brent says, as he was setting things up. But pay attention to Peter and pay attention to Judas. Um, listen to those two characters and, and, and note the differences between the two. Uh, and, and also kind of think about yourself. Um, 
like think about like if you were there, what would your reaction be? I mean, imagine sitting here at at, at the the table as they're doing this Passover feast. You know, think about being in in you know in the courtyard where where, where Jesus is being arrested. I mean, would you have been violent? I mean, think about some of these things that we. Uh, and I, I might be going into the next chapter of that, but like, but still, I think think about yourself in these stories. Yeah. All right. Well, this is uh, Luke 22 from the Dwell app. Now, the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him to death, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. They were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. Then came the day of unleavened bread and which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters. And tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it, just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table, and the apostles with him, And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, The hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes, as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. A dispute also arose among them, as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, 
Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death, Jesus said. I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. And he said to them, When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said, Nothing. He said to them, But now, let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, Look, Lord, Here are two swords. And he said to them, It is enough. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him, But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, No more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, Someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too was a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. Immediately, while he was still speaking, The rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, 
prophesy. Who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. When day came, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes. And they led him away to their council. And they said, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. All right. That is Luke 22 from the Dwell app. Um, we got a lot. This is another really, really long chapter. A couple weeks ago we set up and we, we talked about how um, chapters in Luke are going to be really, really long a lot of the time. He just includes a lot of detail. Um, and this one, I mean, I'll give you the, the overview of what we just heard about. The plot sure. to kill Jesus, Judas to betray Jesus, the Passover with the disciples, um, institution of the Lord's Supper, who is the greatest? <laughs> we won't go into that right now. <laughs> um, That's perfect. <laughs> that really is. That really is. Jesus foretells Peter's denial. Scripture must be fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus prays on the Mount of Olives. Betrayal and arrest of Jesus. Peter denies Jesus. Jesus is mocked. Jesus before the council. So, like I said, a lot, a lot, a lot in that chapter. So, um, where do you guys want to go with that? Where do you feel led? Well, the week? first one, that I, there's some things that we've all read over and over again, which is all of this stuff, but some things that we all think about. But one thing that I read this right at the beginning that I had never really pondered is um, in verse 3, then Satan entered into Judas. Wow. <laughs> so, so, like, I was thinking... <sighs> So Judas, he was following following Jesus, and so what had Judas actually converted, so to speak, or not? And and is is he he's possessed by Satan? I always had this thought growing up that um, that demons or Satan couldn't possess Christians. I know that they're not really Christians yet, but you get the idea. Um, but yet, you know, through our RLI conference, um, I, I saw people talking about casting out demons of Christians. So. I'm a bit perplexed with some of this. So with that, my question, I guess, to, to either one of you, just, just thinking out loud here, um, is, is Judas a, a, a true disciple, true Jesus follower that is that somehow gets possessed by Satan? And is Satan the one acting? Or is Judas acting on his own? This, these are things I'd never pondered. And, an, and another question with that is can a Christian be possessed by a demon or by Satan himself? Mm-hmm. So those are some fun questions, and that's why I ask them, so I don't have to answer them. I can just <laughs> put them on you guys, you know? Well, uh, I'll set it up by saying we will not have the definitive answer when we're done talking. Oh, of course not. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> no you're so abso- know that. You're absolutely right there. Um, <laughs> oh, I think there, you, there's a couple things. There are a couple points that you make, and um, I think the assumption is that a disciple is is a redeemed follower of Jesus and and I think that that's hard to, to kind of because you don't have the sacrifice yet so you don't have Jesus' sacrificial right. um, you know you don't you don't have his you know redemptive sacrifice now they do end up receiving the Holy Spirit Christ does make them holy vessels uh, through his redemptive sacrifice uh, hence their filling of the Holy Spirit um, later on in Acts and so uh, it's because you have a it, the disciple, a disciple is just somebody that was following Jesus at the time, you sure. know. And so, um, there's even a difference. And between that's a good point because our, our the way we define disciple today is a little different than yes than a basic follower. Because they had he had got, he had people that fell away uh, from following him, you know, by his teaching. You see that so much in John six, like John, like uh, uh, Jesus is feeding the five thousand, and then they like they think he's like their free meal ticket, and so a bunch of people follow him, and then he starts giving them some hard teaching that. 
that he's the bread of life and they have to eat his uh, body and drink his blood. And people were like, whoa, this sounds <laughs> like cannibalism. I don't know if I want to do this. And right. so a lot of people leave. And so a lot of his followers desert him. A lot of his disciples desert him. And so I think that, that you're right, that, that we have to f- kind of figure out how we're defining the terms here because we think of disciples somebody who's actively following Jesus, who's been redeemed, who's following Jesus. Well, and Jesus. let me correct it too because I, I kind of misspoke the way, the way I said that. Because keep in mind, a disciple... Um, in the days of Jesus, would have been a guy that comes up through the system, right? Memorizing the Torah, cream of the crop. We've talked about this in podcasts yeah. in the past. And, and that Jesus chose disciples differently. He didn't mm-hmm. do that. So they're, they're disciples, but they're different than a normal disciple, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. But bottom line is Judas is this disciple, and we're not really sure of his commitment level. Yeah, and I think we get we get inklings from it from other um, scriptures. I think when uh, the um, uh, the woman that breaks the alabaster jar, Mary Magdalene, I think it is that breaks the alabaster yeah, jar. Yeah. It says that some disciples are were upset about it, and in some versions it said that Judas actually said, "Why did we not sell this and give it to the poor because it's worth a year's wages?" And then there's a commentary in between that that says Judas didn't actually care about the poor; he was stealing from the treasury. So it was kind of like. Judas has already got some heart issues when it comes to what Jesus is actually doing. Like I think a lot of a lot of the perceptions that we get of Judas is that he's kind of in it for himself, right? He's not he's following Jesus for what Jesus is going to do because the perception of the Messiah is that the Messiah is going to come. He's going to establish the golden age of Israel. They're going to overthrow Rome and they're going to have this kingdom that's going to rule over the earth more from a military perspective because honestly that's all they had that's the whole perspective that they had about power back then was always about military and who was ruling and governing over other people and enslaving other people and so they're thinking that the messiah is going to come as this conquering ruler and jesus is saying no the kingdom of god is very different from that and you can see that in the the argument that he has later on when the disciples are arguing over who's going to who's the greatest michael jordan or lebron james and (laughs) so uh <laughs> and so, oh. and anyways, and so they had this argument, and it's the argument of, of time. But uh, it, and so, anyways, and so they have like that. That's that's where I think there is this breakdown from what they think uh, Jesus is supposed to be, and who he actually is, and what he came to do. And I think that's something that we can also kind of wrestle with now with Jesus. Now to kind of go to where you were talking about with the whole spiritual side of Satan uh, entering into Judas. Yeah. Um, I think that the way that I would kind of look at this, and I think it is, it's a really tough one because it's a tough one because we see a lot of uh, the spiritual world, and we see a lot of the like the spiritual side of things in the Gospels. We see a lot of. Uh, we see people that look like they have epilepsy are possessed by demons and then yeah. they're cast out. And so, uh, and then there's also areas in the, in the, there's other areas in the world where the spiritual warfare is much more tangible and intense. Uh, I think of like, uh, I've been to Africa. And there's something about Africa. I have a friend, Jerry Cook, who's, well, mm-hmm. actually she's home at the moment, but mm-hmm. um, who, who's been a missionary and is a missionary to Africa. And that's, that is a weird spiritual place. And some really dark things happen. And it's like that in a lot of places. My parents see that, and they've been to India on a a mission trip, and it's really dark in India. And I think that there is something about um, man having the ability to choose, and so what we allow to actually enter into us. So think of it as like food, right? So like we get to choose what we eat, and then we, we, what we eat changes our body, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, I mean, I could eat McDonald's every single day and things are not going to go well for me or I can I can get on the Brent train and have cayenne pepper and honey and turmeric. And uh, and then uh, and then that can like turn me into what you see and what you see on stage, which is, you know. We can all say it's pretty amazing, but anyways, um, <laughs> I know we're. This is. Don't give me a microphone. This so is wait, so, so Daniel, so Daniel, who's the greatest? Is it is it Brent or is it Michael? I mean, that's the thing. Not this Michael. Wait, I know. I was say, it's hard to choose. Is it Michael you Jordan? Guys. Is it LeBron James? Is it Brent Smith? I all mean, right, man. Back on topic. So so anyway, so think of it as like as what you put it, what you allow into your body, like like the way we get to choose. And so, and I think that there is a time where the choices that we make give things access in a spiritual realm to us. We have the ability to bring, uh, give God access to our life or, you know, God can sit there and knock 
and, and wait for us to open the door to him. Or we can give access to the enemy by the lies, by the choices that we make, and that can kind of, and then that he can have access to us uh, through that. And so, and so I kind of, I think of it more from that perspective because I think that God has given us the ability to choose between light and darkness. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so, and so that's where, I, um, that's where I kind of take this. And so, like I said, Brent said earlier, I may not have all the right answers. Or we may not have all the right answers with that, but that's where I think that it doesn't say like he was possessed by Satan. It just says that Satan entered. Yeah. Which means that it could be that Judas opened the door. Yeah. And Satan entered. Yeah. You know, and then, but and then you see later on, it says that Satan has been asking to basically just yeah. destroy the disciple. Like he's been demanding for Peter and he wants to sift all the disciples like wheat. It's down in verse 31. And you think about that because there's this time when we get this picture in poetry in the book of Job where Satan, the accuser, uh, presents himself yeah. to God Job, with all the Job, other angels. Job is in heaven reading this and like, man, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. You, 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 Jesus, you prayed for you prayed for Peter. But what about me? I lost all my kids, man. <laughs> yeah. and, and so there's, but there's this there's this weird uh, heavenly kind of dialogue between God and Satan, the accuser. And so, um, does does Satan give requests to God about you know demanding the disciples? But but Jesus is there fighting that, praying, no, 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 not that. I that please don't make that so. Yeah, you know. And so, I think that. There's, it's hard to just kind of say, okay, it's just like this, because I don't think we have a full understanding or grasp yeah. about what's going on in the spiritual realm anyways. I think it's, it's very, um, it's, it's been around longer than any of us have, mm-hmm. you know, obviously. I don't uh, think, I don't, uh, this is just opinion, but I'm not sure if, if Satan had truly attacked Peter, if he would have made it. Because, I mean, we see, and I know we're always hyper critical of, of, of Peter, but I mean, he denies Jesus three times yeah. here in this chapter. Uh, imagine if if Satan had attacked him on top of it. Right. What what could have happened, and that would have changed the course of history. So yeah. I, I think it's important that Je- and Jesus knows these things. I, I think that's one of the reasons why he's praying for Peter. Like, no, no, this isn't going to happen. Yeah. I I need Peter to to, to be strong. I, you know, give him time. You know, give him more maturity. And I think that speaks to us too. That there there are times in our lives where we're going to have trials and tribulations. Uh, and there's times that we're not. I think that God orchestrates the what we need, or, or allows, or however you want to say it. But He gives us what we need when we need it. I yeah. think there's a time and a place for things. And like, and this is for Peter. I mean, Peter had, does have trials and tribulations in his life, but they came at the right time. And I think God knows the right time mm-hmm. for us. Yeah, the things and, that we're going through. Yeah, and uh, I'll get back to the Peter thing in just a second because yeah. I did have something on my mind about that. But um, to to kind of the vulnerability, I think that's the right word. Um, that comes to mind for me when we talk about opening those doors. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are warned, like we are told to stay away from witchcraft, to stay sure. away from all this different stuff, because I think, believe it or not, I think if you choose to put yourself in certain situations, you do open up doors. You do create a vulnerability there sure. for something to step in or something to kind of start to move a little bit that shouldn't be moving in you. So I think that that's definitely something that we need to be aware of and stay away from for sure. But... um Back to Peter, I actually, the biggest thing from this chapter, the takeaway that I had from Peter was, he, you know, he's telling Jesus, like, I'll never betray you, I'll never betray you. Yeah. And he's like, Peter, three times before the, <laughs> Dude. Before the rooster crows, today you're going to, no, I'm not, no, yes, you are, you know. And I would like to think that if I'm ever called, you know, in a tough situation like that, that I would be one that would be willing to die for the name of Jesus. Um I would hope that I would, and I feel that I would, but in the moment, you never know. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I wanted to, uh, to send out to you guys is just never be too confident or too cocky in your faith. Never be so confident that, yep, yep, I'll never do that. Yeah. You know, it, it, we need to be humble. We need to stay in that place, and um, I think that that was a good reminder. You know, Brent, put yourself in, in Peter's shoes for a moment. And I think, this, I think, this, I think wow. <laughs> I think this is good uh, to put in context. Um, these guys, uh, reading this chapter again, I'm pretty convinced that most of these guys were still were still expecting Jesus to be this Old Testament, not Old Testament picture, but this, this very Jewish picture of a Messiah, this reigning king. I think Peter is still surprised when, when Jesus is arrested because they'd say that one of the disciples... 
uh, cuts dude's ear off. Yeah. That was Peter, man. You all know that it was Peter. <laughs> yeah. You know, that I think Peter's expecting it, and he's ready to go to war because he's ready. All right, this is a time that, that I'm going to charge behind the Messiah, and we're going to go fight, and we're going to take the throne. Ah! You know, and, and when things don't go down that way, I could see Peter being crushed. Like, yeah, I don't know who this guy is. Because if we're honest, he doesn't know who this guy is. Because mm-hmm. he's thinking of this all-powerful, throne-sitting Messiah mm-hmm. who's going to be king of the world, and he's about to go get crucified. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know who this guy is. Yeah. I mean, imagine. Be, so, like in our lives, sometimes we think, "Man, everything's going to be all right. I'm a Christian. I'm doing the right thing, and everything's going to be perfect." And then, you get cancer. Mm. Then, then a child dies. Bad things happen, and we don't understand it. So, in those moments, will you say, "I don't know who he is." And when you put it in that context and reality of today in our situation, in our lives, you can understand Peter much better. Yeah, Peter's about to lose one of his best friends that he thought was something that, that he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Jesus is much better, but Peter doesn't understand that yet. Mm-hmm. So when we, when we reach difficult points in our lives, will we say that this is, this is my Jesus, or yeah. will, we, will we forget him? And I think... And I think getting a really good picture of who Jesus is is so important for us as followers of Jesus because you can see what will happen when you lose perspective of that, right? When when your hopes and dreams for Jesus fits a mold that you create, yeah. uh, it is dangerous. It's dangerous. And, like, what happens is, like, you see that, I mean, fear overtakes Peter, you know? I mean, like, there in this... I mean, think about how chaotic this scene is, right? I mean, like... They're kind of just groggy, probably just waking up uh, because they're not able to like pray with Jesus as, and so they're just struggling with uh, with sleep there. And then all of a sudden, like the, everybody's coming up and they're getting surrounded, and they're like, "Hey, Lord, are we supposed to strike with the sword? Right? I mean, is this like our time yeah. to like fight?" And like, of course, and they're then, thinking that. Yeah, and then like they, you know, they like you said, Peter cuts the guy's ear off, and Jesus is like, "No, it's not like this at all." And then, and so like the the disillusionment. And the shattering of what you had in mind and what they had in mind for Jesus, um, I mean, it takes a toll. It takes a toll on them mentally, and they're like, oh, I don't even know who who this is. Can we be shocked, too, here, Daniel? I mean, as I read this, I feel like, as we're reading this, as if we never read it before, we should be shocked, too. Mm -hmm. We should be expecting Jesus to go and and go ahead and, and, yes, he's going to put the sword through the guy, and he's going to go ahead and take over. Mm -hmm. He's the Messiah. And we read that, we should be shocked at, oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Instead of of doing that, he heals the enemy's ear, Mm -hmm. and he goes quietly. Mm -hmm. That should be a moment that we're like, whoa. Who is this Jesus? Yeah, I'm sorry, I completely interrupted you. No, 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 that's (laughs) perfect. And and so I think that, and I think we have to then know. Okay, we have to ask ourselves the question: Okay, who who is Jesus? Like, who is Jesus to us? Like right now, is he like our co-pilot? You know, or is he like the you know (laughs) Jesus is my co-pilot? Yeah, (laughs) no, I know exactly. Which is really bad theology wise if you think that Jesus is your co-pilot. Because I mean, like, come on, if you're the pilot, like, what what does the co-pilot really do? I don't know anything about like. Uh, you know, like <laughs> commercial f- airline flights, but I feel avionics. like the co yeah, avionics, yeah, exactly. But I, I know, just, I just don't know. Somebody can enlighten me what a co-pilot does, but I feel like it's kind of all the pilot. But anyways, so and that's where I think we can have it. We can have this kind of relationship with Jesus, where he kind of just comes in every once in a while when we need him in a pinch, you know, or something like that. And and this is not this is not the Jesus. Like when when you don't have a perspective of Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, and that He is do one everything. He's He's, you should give him your entire life, access to every part of your life, then you're going to run into these these big, huge issues where it kind of hits the fan. And you've got to figure out, okay, who am I following myself or am I following Jesus? And I think the disciples had this conflict. They had this thing, and both, I would say Judas did too. Because, you know, we don't get a chance to get into it, but Judas is remorseful. I mean, like he, yeah. he doesn't want the money anymore that was used to betray Jesus. Yeah. Like he doesn't, he gives it back, he throws it back at the priest and then he goes and just overwhelmed with sorrow, hangs himself, Yeah, you know? And so that is to me, somebody that, that had something in mind was hoping that something else was going to happen and it didn't, and yeah. it didn't work out the way he had planned. And then all of a sudden he realizes I've made a grave mistake. Yeah. You know, the gravest. Yeah. 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 I I have a question for you guys. And this is off of that subject real quick, but uh, in the section uh, where it's 
titled Scripture Must Be Fulfilled in Jesus. It's verses 35 through 38. Is that like an official shift in the commission for going out into the world and making disciples? I was a little bit just, I, I kind of was like, what? Hold on a second. So as, as he said to them, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, nothing. And he said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it and likewise a knapsack. Is he telling people now that my commission to you when you go make disciples is that you don't have to go out with just the clothes on your back? Like you can take things with you now to support you along your way. Is that an official change in that or is he speaking almost in parable there? Hmm. I got to think about that one, Brent. <laughs> yeah, that is a great question. Boom. I know. Oh, man. Because I do still hear people saying like, oh, if you're going to do this you really do it, you need to just go out and trust God and... But it's like, but is this where he's telling us? Like, use the resources that you have. Like, go into the world, but now I'm not telling you to trust just in me in it. Take what you have, and I'll guide you along the way kind of thing. But it's okay to take things with you now. Um, I don't know. That just, that just took me back when I was reading it. I was like, oh, never really saw it that way before. Well, what got me in that scripture, because I, I don't know what to do with that yet, Brent, because what got me in that scripture was the whole sword talk. Mm-hmm. Because... Jesus over and over and over and over talks about loving your enemies yeah. and, and blessing those who curse you and you know all, all this stuff about you know forgiving your enemies, love your all, all these things. If a soldier makes you walk with them, then then walk two miles. Keep in mind that means you got to walk two miles back. So you're walking four, <laughs> and you're carrying his backpack. That you know, his his uh, backpack. That's kind of part of the cultural thing. But anyway, like, and then he says, but then he says here. To buy to buy a, a couple swords, but yeah. then he goes back. He's like, "Well, well, two swords is enough." Yeah, and so then that's, that's he really, doesn't want Peter cutting the dude's ear off, right? <laughs> so, so, so. Uh, so, yeah, it makes me wonder. Is I don't know. I mean, is Jesus speaking in because he's always speaking in in parables? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so I don't, I don't, I don't know, Brent. Good. I'm glad. I, I, I wish. I wish this I was like a first. I, I <laughs> wish this was like a live, you know, uh, podcast, so we can get, like caller. Yeah, exactly. Call in if you have something to share with you know? us. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know where to take to it either. I mean, I, I, I'm the same way with with Michael in that the whole sword thing, and the other times I think about when Jesus was kind of countercultural to the things that he was saying, uh, especially when it comes to what he came to bring. He talks about bringing division, and that he didn't uh, that he brings the sword, um, and that that will cause division between you know, families and what he, what he, what he's bringing is going to be divisive. Yeah. It's going to divide, um, people, the people like families apart and things like that. Cause it, he'll be so uh, controversial following Jesus and giving Jesus your all is very controversial. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know, but I don't know like how this fits in. And I don't know if this was just part of the fact that this was them, thinking that they were supposed to step up and fight because this was the time to kind of rise up. And then Jesus was saying, using this as kind of like a, no, this is not what, you know, maybe I don't, I really have no clue. I don't either. I mean, it it kind of makes sense of if you're being sent out into the world, you know, there will be people who want to kill you, maybe a way for you to protect yourself from that. But it kind of contradicts other things too. So yeah, very confusing. Well, let's, all right. So let's, we can, we can figure this out guys. Let's think for a second. So what is happening? Jesus is he's at this 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 Passover feast, right? And so this is this is his last meal with these guys. So this is his last moment to talk to his his closest friends before he dies, right? And he knows what's happening. So this is really really important. So so then they get into this who is the greatest conversation and Jesus is still trying to be like guys, you just don't get it. It's not about sitting on a throne. This is not about, I'm not going to go conquer Rome, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still not getting it. And, and, then, and then, in fact, Peter's like, I got your back. And then Jesus is like, no, you don't, Peter. You're going to deny me. So, so this, imagine the mood that, that Jesus is in right now. He's getting ready to go pray. I mean, all this stuff is about to happen. He know, he's about to be captured, and he's in a very serious, probably a very somber moment. And so then he starts telling them, you know, like you said, when I send you out with nothing— you know, you guys did your job. Mm-hmm. I think he, I think he, this is kind of a passing the torch kind of moment mm-hmm. that he's like, look, we have really worked hard the last three year guys, the three years guys. We we have gone out with nothing, um, and you guys have followed me, but it's your turn. And look, this is not going to be just a three year stint. This is not just a vacation. This is not just a, a walk in the woods. Mm-hmm. This is a permanent set up shop moment. You can take more than just what's in your book bag, guys. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 set things up because my part of this, 
I'm about to die, mm-hmm. and you guys are about to take over. I mean, maybe that's the the the, the symbolism here mm-hmm. of it's more than just what's in your backpack. Yeah. Another thing I just thought about as you were kind of like putting it all together was you're you're right. They weren't getting it. They weren't getting what it meant to be uh, great in the kingdom of God. They weren't getting about what it means to like truly give up and and, and follow Jesus because Peter's getting ready to deny him. And I wonder if this is just maybe Jesus finally giving them a tangible representation because I wonder if if they had no sword with them, if they thought, man, if only I had a sword, Jesus wouldn't have gotten captured and betrayed, mm-hmm. you know. But then they have everything they need with them to fight back. But Jesus tells them no. So maybe this is like, this is finally they're getting it. That Mm. they had everything available to them to do what they think they should have done. But Jesus is is finally pointing out, this is what I've been trying to tell you all the whole time. Mm -hmm. You know, that that we are not here to do this. And so, and I don't know if, if that is, is, if that's just so recent or if like it's, it's down it's like michael said it's down the road and it's more of like this is a permanent thing yeah i don't know i mean yeah. i really i really think we haven't really landed on anything and i think we're genuinely stumped by this at least i am <laughs> uh, yeah. i it, it is good to to be reminded too that these guys they still didn't at this point they really didn't still know what he meant by i'm i'm gonna be taken i'm gonna be gone and i'm gonna have to go through mm-hmm. suffering and all this stuff he kept referring to it multiple multiple times but I don't think they ever really got it until they saw it. Again, let's be realistic. Jesus spoke in so many parables. Yeah. And could you imagine this? Could you imagine, like, not really knowing whether Jesus is speaking metaphor or speaking literally? When he says, you know, take up your cross and follow me, does he mean that we're literally, literally getting crucified? Or, like, is he, you know, so when he speaks of a cross, is he being literal? Is he being figurative? Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of things when he said, like he says that like the temple will be will be torn down and they'll be he'll build it three days later. That's not literally, you know, that's right. that's a figurative, you know, part of his death. So, yeah, they, these guys are confused, <laughs> and we see and we see later, like in, in the chapters to come, that Jesus dies. Now you would think because we have hindsight, right? Right. That they should have known he's going to resurrect because he said so. Right. Mm-hmm. But apparently these guys weren't ex- necessarily expecting it because they're all like sad and mopey and yeah. went back fishing and yeah, all this distraught. stuff. They, right. They feel like everything was a you know. And and Thomas even, true. you know, was wanting to poke a finger in the, in, the, in Jesus' mm-hmm. side because because he, he sees Jesus and he's still like I don't think so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you even see the the. Mary and Mary Magdalene and the women that were going to bring the herbs to go like basically yeah. prepare him for burial because they didn't have time to do that because it was getting ready to be uh, the Passover was going through and the Sabbath was coming right. up. And so they couldn't do any of that during the Sabbath. And so it was really rushed after Jesus was uh, taken down off the cross. And so they went to go kind of complete the process of his death. Okay. So they're not expecting like, all right, yeah, we're waiting at the tomb and then the sun's getting ready to come up, but it's like five, four, right. three, two, roll away the stone, Jesus. You know, <laughs> right. they're not expecting that yeah, at that's all. Why nobody was there. I mean, even the yet. even the ladies were like, Who stole his body? Yeah. You know? Like they're not thinking, Oh, hey, he rose from the dead. Oh no, who like stole his body? Um, and so I think that that's just they just didn't get it. You yeah. know, and that's and that's you know And and again Reading this as if you've never read it before, when we get there, because we haven't got there yet, but when we get there, we should be shocked. Yeah. Like, oh, man, this 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 Messiah King guy, he dies. Oh, no. What? He resurrected again? Yeah. This is amazing. How did this happen? This is miraculous. You know, I think I would love for us to be able to read this again with some excitement. I know we have, we are, <laughs> spoiler alert stuff, right? We already mm. know it's going to happen, but... Can we look at it fresh and new and look it through the eyes of the people that were there and be amazed again at the resurrection of Jesus? Yeah. And be, be amazed at the death of Jesus because that is that is crazy. Mm-hmm. God dies? What? Yeah. How does, how does that even happen? Like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. We should be shocked. Yeah. So I guess I want to challenge our listeners to, as we read through this, be shocked, be amazed Think about this as if you were there and what you were thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing that is also sticks out to me kind of in this chapter, and it's kind of shocking as well, is, is Jesus's prayer in the Mount of Olives. Oh, yeah. You know, when he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I think you just get this kind of really great picture into Jesus's humanity, you know, and the fact that he knew what was coming. And he was like, basically, he said, God, is there any other way? Is there any other way? 
And that to me points one that that Jesus knew what was coming, but also that there's not other options when it comes to reconciliation to your heavenly father. This is the way. This was the way that it had to be done. You know, if there was another option, I'm pretty sure that Jesus would have taken that option, you know, because that, that was the goal. The goal was to reconcile humanity to, uh, uh, to back to God. And, you know, this was the, this was the path that had to go. There had to be someone that would be willing and be a perfect sacrifice and be able to take the, to break the power of sin. And, and so I just think that it's amazing to me that, you know, it's a bold request, but I think that there's something still though. He's like, you know what, but I know, I know that your will needs to be done, that this needs that, that this needs to happen. And, and to me, that is like, it's so, it's so stressful and he's in so much anguish that he's, he's sweating blood, like his capillaries are bursting because of the intense anguish and stress. And so blood is seeping out of his skin. I can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine having to go through that. But then also being able to still say, yes, I will still do it. I'll still go through it. Can you imagine the turmoil? Like knowing inside, like he, he knows that he's God and, but knowing that you're human too, and that you know that you have to do this thing but you know what it's going to take to do that. I mean, imagine that anguish and turmoil. Mm -hmm. You know, the the good news with this for us is, um, I don't know about you guys, but I've spent some time at the altar where I have been broken, where I have been confused and just crying out to God, uh, you know, just begging and crying and hurt. And it's comforting to know that the very God that I'm speaking to knows how that feels. Hmm. That Jesus was broken, praying, you know, to the Father, like, like, really, God, this is what's going to happen? Like, is there any other way? I mean, this is real stuff. You can imagine Jesus' anguish, but when you have anguish, you know that God knows how you feel because he's actually been there. Yeah, he's done it. What he's comfort we have in Jesus. more than we've ever done, yeah. Well, and, the, and you see Jesus going through so much of the pain that we go through as a result of our fallen world. Mm-hmm. He's betrayed. He's abandoned. He's denied. His friends and fo- closest friends and followers have left him. You know, he's unjust. The trial is a sham. I mean, the trial of Jesus is a total sham. If you look mm-hmm. back on how how trials were supposed to go that was established within Judaism, mm-hmm. This is not the way trials were ever supposed to go. One, they were supposed to be done during the day where you'd have people there, reliable witnesses. This happens in the middle of the night. No one knows what's going on. All of a sudden, people wake up and all of this commotion is happening. It's like a mob rule kind of thing. So that is not what even the leading, the priests would have known this. They know how justice is served within the, the, the laws of Judaism. And so this is a total sham. And they arrest him at night, too. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. Is that is that and Jesus even says, like, guys, I was just eating with you guys yesterday. If you wanted to arrest me, why didn't you do it then? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. So yeah, this is way off base of 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 their normal culture. I mean, he's mocked. He's dealing with unbelievable stress and anguish because of his circumstances. You know, he's misunderstood. You know, there's so many things within this, just this one chapter that I think makes Jesus so relatable to us as people. And that's amazing. Like, that's so cool. That's like, like no other religion has a God that wants to be relatable, that would humble himself, humble themselves to become relatable and serve, you know, serve us. You know, that's, that's just not the way that other religions are built or they, they don't function that well, Mm -hmm. function that way. And Jesus humbled himself and made himself so relatable. And I love it because it says that in Romans 8 that he is now our advocate. That he is the one that's, that's that, makes that, sense. That, is, that is pleading to God on our behalf because he knows. Mm-hmm. He understands. He understands the struggle of our humanity. Like, what? like, that's great. That's so amazing to have a Savior that understands our pain. And that we can then kind of, we can pray to, like you were saying, Michael, like when we're in the altar and we're struggling and wrestling with this, we have somebody that says, yes, I know exactly what you're going through. Hey, have courage. Be strengthened, Michael. Don't worry. I got you. I'm here with you. I'm praying with you. I've overcome the world. Take heart. I will never leave you. 
like that's just I think that's just beautiful to me that we have this kind of picture of our Savior like this. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go ahead and finish up. And Michael, I know that you prayed for us last week, <laughs> but I just felt drawn to you a little while ago. You were talking about the um, how distraught Jesus was, and you were kind of in a place there that I yeah. just felt drawn that I think you're supposed to pray for us today, sure. if you would. Sure, I'd be, I'd be happy to. Dear Heavenly Father, we um, we thank you that you give us the the rights and privileges to pray as you did. Uh, it's amazing that we have that example that you've set before us that that we can pray. And um, Lord, as we hurt and then as we have deep pain and, and and things in our lives, we thank you that you understand that we can cry at the altar with you, not just at you. Instead of shaking an angry fist in the sky. Uh, we can reach down low and feel your your comfort with us because you are with us everywhere we go, especially when we kneel down at your feet at the altar. So, Lord, this week as we as we go on through our lives, um, I ask that you would make your presence known. Make us feel your, your presence when we pray or, or everything that we do. And just, again, just be with us. But, Lord, we love you, and we thank you for all these things. We ask it in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Michael. Um, So that wraps us up, guys, for another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. Um, We will be back again next Tuesday, as always. And um, just until then, uh, just take care of each other. As I always commission to you guys, go out there, love each other, show Jesus to the world, and uh, just be safe. All right, we'll talk to you guys later.